What's going on, guys? My name is Chris DeSaro, and you're listening to the Cardinal Med Podcast, where our goal is to empower and inform future doctors. Welcome back to the Cardinal Med Podcast. This is episode number three, titled Study Smarter, Not Harder, Study Tips for Students. In our last episode, we talked a bit about time optimization and really making the most of our hours. Whether it be spending time studying or hanging with friends and family, you really want to spend these moments deliberately and intentionally. That way, you can take advantage of the time you've allotted for these things. For example, personally, I don't like doing work around my friends and all that because that's crossing two very distinct spheres of my life, relaxing and working. Mixing the two, for me, only elongates the time it takes to do this work, while also draining the maximum amount of fun and relaxation I could enjoy from hanging out with my friends and all that without the work. This concept has inspired me to dedicate a whole episode of Cardinal Med towards optimizing one half of that equation, the work half. As a young doctor, PA, dentist, whatever, uh, being a student is your full-time job. You may work a few things on the side, like work-study, uh a job, your own sort of side hustle. But at the end of the day, you go to school and study to become the best future healthcare provider possible. That's it. There's really no other reason. And that should that should be your only focus, to be honest, since that's the end goal for us all pretty much. Since studying and uh, related work takes such a strong amount of our time as we pursue medicine, I think it would be beneficial to really flesh out some tips and tricks that have helped me become a more productive person while also helping me earn good grades with half of the amount of time and sometimes even effort. Since this podcast was partially inspired by the hashtag Save Our Doctors movement, I think it's important to acknowledge that the goal of this episode is to both better your time optimization, but also to help prevent burnout. Burnout is something that we may have all felt to some extent, at least at some point in our lives. The feeling that your work just no longer matters, or maybe that it never really did um, to you in that you're just now wasting your time or something. It's this feeling of dread and lack of motivation that just inhibits your growth and progress towards achieving your goals and is usually caused by an overwhelming and relentless amount of work. Handling that workload is essential in warding off burnout, and we'll get into just how to do that in this episode. And with that said, much like the last episode, I just want to echo that Cardinal Med is now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash med. So if you like the content we have out so far and want to see us grow, consider becoming a patron. Uh, Like I said before, it's pretty cheap. It's less than a Spotify student uh, discount, so it likely won't break the bank account, and you can earn eligibility to receive insider stuff from Cardinal Med, like resources mentioned in the episode, a template MCAT studies calendar that you can kind of craft to your own liking, and written tips and summaries of the episode, as well as other gifts that we'll be fleshing out in the future. So if that piques your interest at all, please consider becoming a patron and more importantly, rating us well on iTunes and any other platform that you're listening to us on. That way we can best spread the Cardinal Med philosophy to as many students as possible. All right, now that the promotional stuff is over, let's get into what this episode is really about. Our first piece of advice really starts before you even begin studying, and that's how you pay attention and take notes in class. This is obviously a pretty important part, you know, the grander picture, because what you study at home is based on, for the most part, your in-class notes. So let's start there. How do you take notes in class? And I mean this in both style and with your tools. There are pretty popular note-taking methods out there, like the Cornell method or the Harvard method, and 
all those types of things. But I think those are all really just labels given to pretty common sense, uh, pretty common sense things on uh, writing down information. For example, the Cornell method. I think you just take notes on the right side of the page, and then on the left side of the page, you write down like any questions or keywords you have while taking notes, and then you kind of cap off the page at the bottom with a summary of what you wrote on that page. Uh, for example, maybe on the right side of the page, uh, you're taking notes on protein synthesis, talking about your 20 essential amino acids and all that, RNA polymerases, and on the left side, maybe you write just transcription or translation. Um, or any other keywords, um, you write some, and maybe you write something uh, that you were confused about, so you can ask the professor at a later date. And then finally, on the bottom, you just kind of draw a diagram showing all like the mechanisms that work and whatnot. And that's totally fine, but like, why did you have to? Why did you have to follow that rigid structure to take effective notes? You know, there are other ways to do the same to get the same idea without kind of splitting your page into threes and all that. If it works, it works. But I mean, I don't get the point of kind of dubbing it a name and then just having to follow the structure to get some uh, basic ideas out. Uh, take, I don't know, take the Harvard method, for example. Their method is really just having subcategories of notes. For example, maybe you have just this one like parent category called protein synthesis, and then you have two categories underneath called transcription and translation, and then within those subcategories you have like what happens within those. And this, I don't know, breaking it into subcategories, that's also pretty common sense if you ask me. It's uh, not writing haphazardly all over the page, I think, is pretty important to taking notes. But um, so, yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the need for the formal name and uh, the formal title and structure was, but I digress. Uh, I just wanted to show that you don't need to follow any one formal note taking outline in order to implement some pretty basic tools to help you retain and organize information. Um, I recommend actively taking notes in class in an organized way. Now, what does that mean? Well, that could differ depending on the class. I, I know many professors who lecture from a PowerPoint um, and then post to the PowerPoint. To me, this means I should not be writing down almost anything from the PowerPoint because by doing so, I'm diverting my attention from any high-yield information that the professor may provide verbally uh, just to copy down something that will be posted for me later that day. Uh, you're better off just taking a quick note um, of the slide's ideas and listening to how the teacher fleshes out these core concepts from the slide and then just kind of focusing on what they're presenting to you verbally because that you can't go back to that, but the PowerPoint you can later, assuming they're posting it. Again, there's no use in copying down uh, what will already be provided to you. The professor's words, once spoken, are gone. Uh, you can't take those home with you unless uh, you write them down. Uh, this is an active note-taking style because just sitting there like a zombie and copying down the PowerPoint does no one any good. It's especially awful when people copy down the slide before they even read it at all. Like, how do you even know that the information is of any use? So, it's important to try and actively decipher which information is um, being presented in a high-yield way or which, presented will, um, which information will later become high-yield in the test. Uh, and really make that stuff pop in your notes. To summarize, write down only what's necessary and what you can't review later on. Next, on the topic of note-taking, consider your preferred medium for taking notes. Do you like to type? Do you like to write? But with today's technology, you can kind of mend them together if you want. I use the iPad Pro with Apple Pencil and keyboard, and I'm in love with it. It allows me to write uh, and draw what I want, 
and to type when I want and to seamlessly really mix between the two. It's perfect to me. But I know that's not within everyone's budget, so we can just stick to the traditional methods for now. There is an abundant amount of research out there that suggests typing is less conducive to memorizing than writing out your notes by hand. And from personal experience, uh, I can attest to that. Um, it's pretty important to recognize this is because typing is not conducive to an active learning process because you could just type out what the teacher says verbatim and uh, kind of let it go from there. And since most people type faster than they write, you know, that kind of makes sense. But, uh, you know, given this, it may seem that writing is, though more laborious, more conducive to uh, memorizing and uh, is the obvious choice in their note-taking style. And to some extent, I would agree. It would make sense that if writing has been shown to help you retain information more, then, you know, go that route. But I don't think that paints an, an ac- I don't think that paints an entirely accurate portrayal of the entire picture. And that's because I don't uh, these studies may be assuming that the learning process ends once the lecture ends and that you only review your notes before test day. And doing that is a surefire way to not succeed in your exam and will almost enti- almost certainly guarantee stress and all-nighters leading up to that test. My personal preference is uh, to take notes in class either by typing, writing, or mixing the two, just in order to get my thoughts on the page the fastest way that I possibly can. Okay, it's all about just getting these uh, thoughts about the lecture material and everything just onto the page and, you know, worrying about it a little bit afterwards. Then at the end of the week, usually that Sunday, uh, Saturday or Sunday, I spend like an hour or two reviewing that week's notes, making a condensed study guide uh, specifically for that week, like only for that week, which is uh, for my class schedule, usually like three classes a week. And notice that I'm not suggesting you wait a week um, or so before an exam to try fleshing out like a giant uh, summary um, for the test material. No, no, I'm saying that every single week you summarize a week's worth of notes. And like I said, for me, per class, that means summarizing three lectures and maybe a lab every Sunday. Definitely not overwhelming. And if it helps, take that condensed weekly study guide and make it even more condensed and uh, keep condensing it until you filtered out every last drop of non-essential information. Now, this is beneficial because let's just say you have a test every, I don't know, six weeks. Uh, You have six mini study guides to study from because you made one every week. And if you want, you can condense those six uh, into one big study guide where you further make it more and more comprehensive and summative summarizing. You know what I mean? Not only is this great uh, to do for every test, but figure at the end of the semester, you'll have essentially made a study guide already. You just kind of take each week's uh, study guides and then kind of just combine them into one like juggernaut of a study guide. And there, there's your final exam study guide. And that way you spend less time making a study guide during uh, the weeks leading up to finals week because finals week isn't really for like creating your study materials. It's for studying the materials but i guess i'll get to that later um yeah so you don't have to make this material anymore it's already been made and you've been making it throughout the entire semester so it's more comprehensive and less kind of uh haphazardly thrown together and then you kind of just study it all together and yeah it's pretty simple you already made your study guide um that way you can 
uh, sleep and eat and exercise more properly because you've saved yourself a load of time during that busy part of the semester. All right, tip number three, or at least I think it's three. Tip number two, I don't know if I said the number in the last one. Right, tip two and a half. This is tip number three. Tip number three is to, oh, this is so important. Get Anki into your life. Now, when I first started this podcast, I had this idea of including um, what was called a gratitude sponsor. Now, a gratitude sponsor was just an organization or a company that in no way like was giving me money to kind of give them a shout out or anything, or they probably didn't even know I existed, but they were a gratitude sponsor because uh, just me mentioning them was kind of just me thanking them for being so, so essential in my uh, academic career. So um, I eventually cut that out of the podcast just because I don't know how necessary it was, but um, in this episode, oh, it's necessary. Uh, (laughs) When I first started the podcast, I was really most excited to share the world, uh, my love for Anki and my love for Google Calendar. And I already talked about Google Calendar in a few episodes uh, prior. So let's get into Anki. So what is Anki? Well, Anki is what's known as a spaced repetition software. And this may be a difficult concept to really flesh out without the help of a video, um, but I'll do my best with just my voice. Uh, To best explain what a spaced repetition software is, I'm going to try giving you an example. Uh, Let's just say you make a flashcard. You review that flashcard. It's pretty simple, right? It's kind of the whole purpose of them. But Anki's uniqueness comes in when you review that flashcard. Uh, Whereas other services or even using uh, paper flashcards like some sort of caveman uh, may just say, all right, like you got this flashcard right and you give yourself a pat on the back and then you place it on the bottom of the deck and uh, you won't really see it until the next time you pull out that deck of cards. Anki, on the other hand, says like, yay, you got that card right, but let's see if you get it right in three days. And now you go back in three days and you think to yourself, ooh, this one's still easy. I got this. And you get it right. And Aki's like, awesome. Now let's see if you get it right in a week. And you come back in a week and you're like, oh man, I forgot this one. And you get it wrong. And now it starts uh, starts over at one day and three days, etc. like before. Now, if there's another card and you're just killing it and you keep, uh, you keep getting it right and sending it further forward in time, like to one week, to two weeks, to a month, you don't have to waste your time reviewing that card that you already know. Instead, you can spend your time reviewing these tougher ones that you maybe keep getting um, keep getting wrong, like that first card. Um, when I was studying for the MCAT, I had a deck of like 2,000 cards. Now, could you imagine studying all those cards every day? It'd be ridiculous. Instead, with Anki, I only studied like 100 a day or so because the easy ones were sent forward in time and I didn't see them for a while. And it was only really receiving, or rather reviewing, uh, the ones that I found pretty difficult. And using the software... Uh, in brief moments of downtime throughout your day will help you review only the tough information and do so consistently. Uh, my biology teacher a few semesters ago said it, said it best when he said, like, I don't go to the dentist uh, so they can tell me that my teeth look great. Um, I go to the dentist so they can tell me what's wrong with them and I can fix them. Otherwise, it's a totally waste of time going to the dentist. And Aki functions in a pretty similar way. Now, if you want to evolve to a true alpha humanoid hell-bent on time and uh, studying efficiency, here's an advanced tip for you. When you're taking notes in class, keep the Anki app open, like on your computer, on the side of the screen or whatever. And that way, when a vocab word comes up on the PowerPoint or in the lecture, you can just make a flashcard quick and review it at a different time. That way, you can use the word throughout your notes, and you don't have to waste your time kind of... 
writing out the definition and really taking up space in the page uh, because Anki's already got it. You don't have to put it anywhere else. Like Anki's got your back. And it's part of your vernacular now. It's in your notes. And you can uh, record information more fluently. I know this one med student who uh, he went up to me on this whole process by using the microphone feature on his computer and, info- and his phone uh, to make cards so he wouldn't have to waste time typing them out. And because, you know, if you type out all your cards and stuff in one big bulk, then uh, you might be too tired to review them later. So he just kind of like verbally spoke them and it made the card pretty quick. So summary for tip number three, uh, get Anki and use the hell out of it. It's free on Mac and Windows to download um, on your computers, but it does cost 25 bucks on the mobile app, uh, which seems a bit ridiculous, but, you know, it's free everywhere else. And uh, I guess that's kind of how they make their profit. Not to mention, it's incredibly useful, more so than Quizlet in my own personal experience. Um, the types of cards you can make include the traditional front-back cards that you can find on a, like Quizlet and the ones you can make on paper. Um, but you can also make fill-in-the-blank cards, uh, which is self-explanatory. Um, image occlusion cards, which is kind of like when you have a diagram with labels and you want to blank out certain parts of the diagram so you can kind of review them. This is very helpful if you want to review, let's just say, the cell cycle or gluconeogenesis processes and all that. Um, and there's many more uh, other types of cards that the software awful, um, offers. Sorry, uh, It's a very customizable um, format. Okay, so we talked how to take notes and obtain information, but let's talk quick about reviewing that information. And we already mentioned Anki, which is great, but let's talk quick about reviewing Anki and kind of fleshing out how to use it in your day-to-day life. Now, I don't think it's necessary to set aside 30 or whatever minutes to really set aside blocks of time just for Anki. Instead, review your cards in tiny increments throughout the day. To me, this means doing it while I'm waiting in line for food, uh, resting between sets of the gym, or just on a study break and I want to do something that doesn't require too much mental power. Reviewing this way allows you to study um, while exercising optimal time efficiency. You're taking time that would otherwise be sort of wasted. It's just kind of downtime and you, you know, probably weren't going to fill it with much else. Just kind of standing there in the, in the case of like waiting online and you're filling it with high yield review time. You know, you're taking your cards uh, from your Anki deck and just kind of going through them without really sacrificing uh time you could be doing other things with moving on from Anki sadly uh it's important to figure out where you like to study what's your place now I recommend uh, a place with very little distractions my personal favorite is the library and this is because the library is very uh, depressing and dry but I see it as sort of a good thing (laughs) um I only go there for one purpose and one purpose only and that's to get my work done once I finish I book it the hell out of there I have friends who do work in like big crowds or in coffee shop lounges or whatever. And that's such a stimulating environment. And to me, that would just elongate the time it would take for me to do work because I'd kind of be a little distracted. Now, to be fair, I think their logic is that um, like they can talk to their friends and do work at the same time, uh, which I guess makes sense. But like, what's the fun in that? I don't know about you, but when I hang with my friends, I like to really unwind and not sweat a lot over some essay or, or some test coming up. Uh, some like a study group, which is, which is you know, obviously fine. Um, so long as it, it's kept small and pretty distraction-free. But I'm sure we all could agree that's not exactly the easiest thing to accomplish. And 
uh, just to cap this whole thing off, before I mentioned making condensed notes at the end of each week, and I just wanted to kind of repeat that because it's such a critical piece of the reviewing process that it's just worth repeating twice. Um, it's an it is an active learning process uh, as it gets you to really reinforce what you don't know and what you do know, and just kind of um, sets you on schedule for regular practice and review. All right, now let's talk timing. Uh, when do you like to get your work done? When do you like to study? Most people haven't really thought about that before. Um, they kind of just do it whenever, um, like whenever they find the time. But finding both a time and a place where you can be focused on your work will be super beneficial, guys. Now, I'm a morning person. I know, don't cringe, but yeah. So <laughs> I usually start my my work pretty early in the morning um, when there isn't many distractions. And it's not even super early, to be honest. Like, I usually get up around 6.30 and take a shower, eat breakfast at like 7, uh, hit, um, finish and hit the books at like 7.30. And then, like, kind of just do that until whenever I have class that day. On most days, that means no class until like 9 a.m. luckily. So that gives me a free one and a half hours sometimes to uh, kill some work before my friends are awake. Um, and then I can use that time later in the day to rest or work out or do whatever I want. This timing thing will differ from person to person, obviously, but don't be afraid to experiment with different times and locations to really find out what works for you. Whatever you choose, you just can't forget to um, slip in that seven to nine hours of sleep that we all need. And I know some of us think that we can kind of function on like four hours of sleep, but that's insanely unhealthy in the long term and should be completely avoided. (laughs) I'll go over sleep in a later episode, but for now, just figure out how you can get your work done efficiently while also setting aside the time for these very essential pieces of your life. This next one's pretty brief, but it's just as essential as the rest, and that is what's known as the Pomodoro Method, and it's such an important strategy to include in your studying. Basically, this method outlines that you study in sort of cycles. Uh, For example, it, sa- uh, it says that like you study hardcore, like 110% focus on only one task for 25 minutes. Then you take a five-minute break where you know you walk around, stretch, refill your water, do all that essential stuff. Then once that five minutes up, uh, the five minutes are up, sit down and repeat that 25 minutes again. Then a five-minute break, do another 25 minutes, but this time follow it with a 10-minute break. And this strategy. Um, of sort of work rest work rest allows you to take the necessary rest to make sure you're retaining information without burning out or blindly staring at the page which I'm sure is a feeling we we all can uh, attest to at some point in our lives you can adjust these times however you want Um, historically I've done them where it's like 45 minutes work 50 uh, 50 45 minutes work 15 minutes rest and then like a 30 minute longer rest time you just kind of got to gear it towards uh, your workload and what you got to get done. But just to summarize, the basic uh, Pomodoro method without any adjusting is 25 minutes, 5 minutes, 25 minutes, 5 minutes, 25 minutes, 10 minutes. And again, that's because you really want to optimize your uh, um, retention stamina, I'll call it. The ability to absorb new information uh, effectively without kind of dazing out, um, without even knowing it sometimes. Finally, since I spent this episode talking about things we should include in our study schedule, um, I'm going to use these last couple of minutes or whatever to wrap up with some things that you probably don't need in your study study regimen. 
uh, things that just aren't the best use of time and can probably be cut out. Um, the first one I have, and I'm saying this because this is from my own personal experience, is recopying notes. <laughs> in the past, I would take really, really messy notes in class. Like, oh, I would write so fast, just kind of like throwing my hand across the page. And then I would take those notes back to my dorm and uh, I would recopy them into like these very nice, like articulated, clean notes. And that was the end. And doing this only wasted time, to be honest. And sometimes I just recopied them for the sake of recopying. Like if uh, I thought the first copy wasn't too messy, then um, it didn't necessarily need to be recopied. But I kind of just did because I felt it was a necessity. Um, the A better use of my time, instead of just copying my day-to-day -day lectures, whatever, would have been to make a summary list. Um, like just a... Con uh, a condensed version of that class's notes, you know, not just copying them verbatim and in neater handwriting. You want to summarize them to use like less paper. So it's less study material, really just compact your notes to make it very high yield. Um, when I realized this was a poor use of time, um, I opted for that whole once a week method that I mentioned above, and that's yielded really successful results um, while also saving me countless hours on end. The second thing you could probably cut out is staying up late to study um, and why now this is more of a personal preference but I'll get into my logic personally I would prefer to wake up earlier than stay up late to finish work I already mentioned that there are generally like less distractions in the morning than at night but more importantly these distractions are just going to prolong your studying into the night and then keep you from sleeping um, I think nighttime should just really be for relaxing and you can sleep and all that um and I also think it's beneficial to start each day with this sort of like, all right, let's get this type of mindset rather than uh, sluggishly getting into your day in the morning and then capping it with some really heated studying. And then like it just doesn't really match up with what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. Like at night, if you want to wind down so you can like, go to sleep quick, but that's not going to happen if you've like been, uh, what's the saying, like burning the candle at both ends, I guess, uh, really just having a grind session at one in the morning and then hopping into bed. It just doesn't really make sense. I also found that waking up early to do work, especially on the week, like during uh, the weekdays, um, allows me to exercise what's known as Parkinson's law. Now, Parkinson's law, maybe I'll make a um, whole episode about, but essentially it's the idea that um, the amount of work you have will stretch out, will fill to... Um, encompass the time you've given to complete it and like a simple example might be if you have to write an essay and you say like all right well I just gotta finish this essay by tonight it'll take you the entire day to write that thing but if you say like all right well I want to do something at 4 p.m and it's two right now like I want to write a huge chunk of this essay or whatever in that two hours um, you're giving yourself a very constructive time limit so you can focus on uh, like this end goal in mind, like it's only two hours. Um, you'll find that you get way more work done in that two hours that you allotted than just saying, oh yeah, like I'll get it done tonight. Um, so waking up early for me allows me to reap the benefits from this because like I have class in the morning sometimes, um, you know, sometimes in the afternoon, but regardless that time, like where I can say to myself, okay, I need to get this done by 9am, by 10am, by noon or something, whenever I have class, uh, rather than doing it at night from 8 p.m. and just kind of being like, eh, like, I'll just get this done and go to bed whenever it's done. Really allowing yourself to fit this uh, 
structured time schedule will allow you to fit more work in less time. And this final piece is something I already said before, but it's so, so worth repeating. And that's, uh, you can definitely cut out copying everything from the PowerPoint or board. It is just such, such a waste of time and finger muscles doing this. Um, active learning, active listening is just the way to go. Making these condensed notes, um, setting yourself in a proper like location and time schedule, uh, using Anki throughout your class time and in these brief moments of downtime that are like riddled throughout our day. Uh, just do yourself a favor and like really incorporate active learning and active listening into your uh, everyday life. Copying everything like a zombie and then just studying that is, it's essentially worthless. Set yourself up for success, guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cardinal Med Podcast. If you found any of this information helpful, please be sure to rate us well on iTunes or whatever platform you found us on. If you did not, uh, we'd equally appreciate some constructive criticism as well. That way we can improve and best help you as a student succeed. Consider becoming a patron on Patreon uh, if you want some inside gifts from Cardinal Med um, and just want to see us grow in production and quality. Finally, just as a bit of a disclaimer, any information you obtain via Cardinal Med is for entertainment purposes only and should 100% be verified with your own pre-med advisor as they can provide a much more individualized approach. Um, I am not a pre-med advisor. I am a student much like yourself, just with some additional experiences. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next one.